3: Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today we're going to be looking at really what I would call the heart of yoga. Some um, people think of yoga, of course, as exercise, which is um, this hatha yoga end of it, but when we speak of yoga in its heart, in its core, and kriya yoga in particular, it is about waking up. It is about connecting to the truth of our being and not just connecting but being able to live from that place. So today we're going to be looking at those questions. Would you like to access that same sense of well-being, clarity, inner fr- and inner freedom and loving connection that we, we see in the world's meditation masters? Is that accessible uh, to the rest of us? And so we're going to look at how we can... Uh, Um, immediately and intentionally connect to our, what we would call our essence of being, um, and experience peace of mind any time of our day. And um, our guest today is Locke Kelly, who um, I really think of uh, Locke from reading his book as a scientist of consciousness, you know, who's looking into how we can do this. He is a, a counselor, a therapist, a consultant, a leader in the field of meditation and psychotherapy, author of the new book that is called Shift into Freedom, the Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness. And he's founder of the Open-Hearted Awareness Institute, an emerging voice in what we say, modernizing meditation, You know, making it more accessible, the, the deep practice of it, social engagement, and, and then he's collaborating with neuroscientists to study how awareness training can enhance Compassion and Well-Being. Welcome, Locke. I'm so delighted to meet you and happy to uh, share with you on the Yoga Hour today.
4: Thank you so much, Ellen. It's really great to be with you.
3: So um, before we begin our conversation, let's just take a moment to um, practice uh, open-hearted awareness. In this moment, let's simply become aware of our breath. This breathing in and breathing out. Noticing the feeling of the breath. And the experience of breathing. In any moment, we can begin to turn our awareness around from external involvement, from attaching to the objects of the senses. Turn our awareness around to become aware of simply being aware. And the breath can be such a wonderful tool to do that, to help us slow down a little bit, begin to... Experience what we're experiencing in the moment. And then simply be aware of being aware. What is noticing the breath? What is happening at the arc of the breath between inhalation and exhalation? Just noticing. Not trying to go anywhere, do anything, accomplish anything. Just being, in this moment, awake, aware. Notice what it's like. When awareness becomes interiorized and expands beyond a singular focus to simply being aware.
2: What is that like?
3: Let's bring that awareness now forth as an intention to bring forth uh, peace and an open-hearted awareness into our day, into our engagement with all that we meet today. Ooh. Lock, I have uh, really been enjoying your book, Shift into Freedom, uh, The Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness. And, of course, we're coming at our practices from... Uh, different directions, Um, but as they say in the teachings, you know, the destination is the same. Um, The destination, as I see it, is really uh, returning to our self with a capital S, you know, finding liberation from being stuck in the uh, small self, the contracted self. Really, which is just the idea of what we are, um, to being able to be open, uh, and, uh, simply awake and aware. So I've been enjoying your book and how you are approaching this, um, experience, what the yogis call liberation, and you are calling open-hearted awareness. Um, so describe for us how you see this open-hearted awareness.
4: Yes, thank you. Um, thank you for that meditation. Uh, the open-hearted awareness is really the, uh, the culmination of what liberation leads to. In some ways, it's simply where we live an awakened life from. Rather than our small self or rather than kind of a witnessing self from pure awareness, it's when awareness and humanness come together it's when transcendent and imminent it's when uh the ultimate and the relative reality meet they meet not in the small sense of self but <clears throat> in this open larger sense of self that is knowing from heart mind or open-hearted awareness or i guess it's been called prajna Right? In the yoga tradition?
3: Yeah, we also refer to it, I, I think, you know, Chris, it's always kind of hard to try to line up your terms, but I think <laughs> we would, I think we would call it Sahaja Samadhi. Okay. Which, you know, which is walking around, <laughs> engaging, um, with, uh, clear awareness you know yes. knowing uh, you know w- the truth of your being and the the reality uh, you know being able to be eyes open mm-hmm. uh, aware of uh, the real and engaging in the world from that consciousness and That's you know right. one of the things I like about your book is that yeah. you know uh, with with yoga practice and, and many of the things that we do mm-hmm. I think there's a tendency to look at you know what we do in meditation you know as the pinnacle like you know have right. this meditation experience um and that's the ultimate right and yes. really it's just the training wheels on the bicycle and you know yep. what we need to do is get on our bike you know and get out into the world <laughs> and enjoy the ride and um right. and i think more than anything you know the pressing need for this is um to have more people who are awake in the world
4: yes Absolutely. So that open-hearted awareness is trying to almost from the beginning say just what you said, which is that the goal is to train in whatever way you need to train in meditation and inquiry to lead to living uh, an awake life so you're relating and creating from an awake consciousness that has a quality of unconditional love.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And you know what's so interesting, Locke, is that we, you know, I think we all, of course, because when we talk about this open-hearted awareness, living really from what we would call um, our essence of being, um, we all know what that's like. You yes. know, and and this was the you know for me it was the key to my journey on the path of yoga because I, I I I knew what it was like to be caught in the ego self the small yes. self and the suffering created by that I just didn't know how to shift out of it you know yes. and I you know I heard the teaching you know I was like the kingdom is within you yeah. <laughs> and you know all of this but it was like okay okay well where where is the door and right. so you know. I think the value of the traditions is that it teaches us how to how to look, and really what is looking. I, yes, you know, that's right. Yeah. Would you say that?
4: Yes, and <laughs> and and so you know, and and, and so that that movement from uh, you know, so in some ways, open hearted awareness is the second operating system. So you could say that, you know, you've shifted from the first operating system where we've been trying to live from this ego-centered or self-centered, small self, thought-based, concept-oriented, feeling almost like there's a little mini-me in my head looking Mm -hmm. out of my eyes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of go to the big pure self. But then when the big pure self also includes our humanity, we've shifted kind of from head mind to heart mind. And so there's a non-conceptual embodied um, operating system that mm-hmm. is is actually once you learn how to familiarize yourself with that, um, it just is like uh, training or, or de- you know, moving through any developmental stage of life. It takes some training. There's some going backwards and forwards. But we can really grow into this next Natural stage of human development if we know how to train to remain.
3: Mm, It's true. And we, the other part of it, you know, I said we know what it's like to be stuck. (laughs) Yes. You know, and I remember that. But we also know what it's like to be in that expanded, um, awareness because it is our, that is our natural state. And, um, we all, we know that because we've all experienced it at some time that's right. and um, but we we mm-hmm. don't necessarily know how to as I would say you know like get back there <laughs> and yes. and then live you know from right. that place because we keep attaching uh, to that ego uh, identification and um, so that that's really the purpose of spiritual practice yes, is yes. that liberation from that the small self that ego self um and learning to live um you know from a more expanded awareness so uh, you know in your book of course you tell your own story which is really yes. compelling about how you came to this path and what inspired you would you would you tell our listeners a little bit about sure. that you know what inspired you um to go up this path mm-hmm. or down this path and, and then end up writing this book for people
4: yes yeah, sure i mean in some ways i'm you know just kind of an average kid but i i know as i look back i had i had moments of what you're talk, talking about glimpses of this something bigger than myself something more vast uh, but you know i kind of bumbled and went to college and then sophomore year in college i had this period during the winter where I had three major losses in my life. My father had developed brain cancer and was a year in operations and getting better and getting worse and eventually passed away that that year. And then my best friend from the ice hockey team uh, was killed in a car accident. And then my grandmother, who lived with us for 10 years, um, died died also within like Mm. a three-month period. And I just felt very um, overwhelmed. I looked for help from some of the teachers and counseling center, but didn't feel much relief. And then I just was walking from the library one evening um, and kind of felt the heaviness and Mm. um, kind of, I guess, you know, was... My thoughts, or was talking to myself, or something, but I just kind of heard this. Um, I don't know if you can take this any longer. And I kind of looked back, or opened up as if I was looking for who said that, or what, mm-hmm. what, what is that? Who's talking to who? And something opened up in this, in my body, to this space all around. And mm-hmm. my eyes opened up, and I looked at the night sky. And somehow my consciousness opened uh, spontaneously to discover support and relief, and I started crying and laughing, and felt mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that I, you know, that I had found something that had been there all along. Mm-hmm. And you know, I certainly continued to go through grief, and but I was so curious and so struck that that kind of led me to say, you know, okay. This seems to be important. Let me find out what this is and how to access this.
3: Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. it's just strangely familiar, isn't it? You know, I, yes. uh, I, I remember, you know, I mean, I think as children, you know, as young children, we, we do have kind of glimpses of that. And at least I remember as a young child, mm-hmm. um, I just, being a, a, a meditative, contemplative little girl, <laughs> which other people in my family couldn't quite figure out, but,
4: <laughs> right.
3: you know, that was just my nature. But um, later on, I I had an experience, you know, as an adult, you know, after I was actually on the path of meditation, where I um, was meditating regularly and, you know, doing at this you know, doing a, a prayer and a, a practice and, you know, all of that, but... Um I still was really stuck. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I I, I was just stuck in. You know, here I was uh, meditating, but there was just the mind going all the time, and I was stuck Mm -hmm. in it. And there, there was it was just not very satisfying. And then after I was meditating, I went for a walk around this lake, and I had the experience that you know all of that um, discursive Mm -hmm. chatter just fell away. Yes, and there was only awareness and I was just aware yes. of being aware. That's and it. Yeah. it was the greatest relief. Yep. Um, and it was also just strangely familiar. Like, okay, yes. you know, this is this is the joyous awareness that I am. Yeah. Um, but then of course, you know, shortly after that it just collapsed. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and I was and I was back into the bag of the ego self, you know, suffering, yep. uh, kicking and screaming, you know, to get out of that bag. And um, you know, you've got some wonderful exercises in your yep. book, and I actually shared one at our at our class on okay. uh, Tuesday night. The the one of you know, what if there's no problem to solve? Right. That was a lovely exercise and, you know, yes. having us see, you know, one of the ways that we get hooked in is, yeah. you know, identifying ourselves as the problem solver and, you know, keeping ourselves safe and happy, you know, from that level of our being, but it's really just a ruse of the ego. It's just a trick. So. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so <laughs> you fun. have described in, in your book a, a three-step process as, you know, waking up, waking in, and waking out. That's a lovely yes. way to think about it and we're going to we're going to go to a break now and then when we get back from the break let's talk about those three stages you know how you have identified how you see waking up and i think we've just described you know some initial experiences of that and then this waking in and uh waking out you know uh sahaja samadhi walking around in the world eyes open uh, engaged as an awake aware enlightened being and mm-hmm. we say go for it and this <laughs> is the most important thing that we're here to uh, experience and it's there for everyone mm-hmm. and not just a select few so when we get back we're going to talk about waking up waking in and waking out and we're with Locke Kelly today and his website um, is his name Locke Kelly L-O-C-H-K-E-L-L-Y And you can find out more about his institute, more about him and his book there. We'll be right back with you.
1: If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world.
5: Kintsugi is an ancient Japanese art form of fusing broken pottery pieces together by filling the cracks with gold. The resulting peace is not only restored and visually stunning, it also takes on a new life. Whatever has happened in the past, however broken we may feel, we can be whole again by filling our lives with the transformative power of God. Our experiences make us unique. The presence of God makes us whole. As Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, Be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect remember with god all things are possible
3: this mindful moment is brought to you by daily word magazine finding time for the positive reminders in daily word is easy with the digital edition perfect for smartphones and readers on the go take advantage of our 30-day free trial to the online magazine plus a daily email with the word for the day and the daily word app to sign up for a free 30-day trial, visit UnityOnlineradio.org slash dailyword.
6: Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways?
5: Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour.
3: Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today I'm talking with Locke Kelly, uh, and we're diving a little bit into his book, Shift into Freedom, the Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness. And... Um, uh, Luck has, in his book, he, he really is offering um, a technology, we'll, we'll call it that. Yeah. And we often think of yoga that way, <laughs> and at least I do, as a technology of access. Yes. You know, in other words, how do we find that way of shifting our awareness out of being stuck in an ego-based identity, um, to be able to access uh, what we would call our essence of being. So, Locke, in your book, you've talked about these uh, kind of a three-step process of uh, yes. waking up, waking in, and waking out. So, would you talk about that for a while? What is the sure. that? What do you see as waking up and uh, waking in and waking out?
4: Yes, and uh, so to begin, just to say, you know, to Uh, say what you're saying, which is basically that there is some kind of natural awakeness that's already here, but there's also, as we described, our kind of unintentional awakenings, like awakenings that happen to us. There is a way to learn how to intentionally support awakening because it's already here. So the waking up, um, I kind of divided into two two processes or two parts. One is the waking up from the small sense of self. So that's done in many meditation traditions, and most meditations will give you a glimpse of even just saying, you know, doing an OM or watching your breath. You'll have a moment of stepping out of the dominance of the thought-based pattern of identity, and that brings a sense of calm or relief for a moment. So that's the waking up from. But importantly, then, not just waking up from into a calm, kind of subtle body state, which um, is just kind of a restful calmness, or even waking up into just an observing, mindful witness, waking up into this uh, awake awareness or this. Pure awareness or this self, bigger self that is already aware, that is awareness itself, um, that's not using attention from the mind, that's not our small mind, that is experientially uh, people can distinguish when you wake up from the small self and you wake into that witnessing pure awareness um Dimension which can be aware without using thought. Mm. So that mm-hmm. yeah. that's
3: a palpable shift. Yes. Um, so there's a subtle distinction. Of course, this is all subtle, but yes, there's sure, a subtle sure. distinction in what you're pointing out. From okay, so you're having say a meditation exercise, yes. and yep. then you. You, uh, you experience uh, awareness itself and you experience, yes. you, you can observe your mind and maybe that's the first time you've ever done that. <laughs> you yes. know, I remember that. It was like, whoa, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not engrossed in my thoughts I I can observe yes. them coming and going and so yes. that is what you would call waking up and having that uh, uh, initial experience of uh, being the observer uh, yes. rather than being caught up in the content of the mind and That's so what right. is the so how would you describe then that dis, that distinction between uh, waking up and uh, waking in what is the yeah. subtle distinction
4: so, yeah. between the two so I mean yeah I'm still describing waking up and there's you know just to say kind of three three things most meditations you wake up from the ego into a relaxed uh, meditative calm and then the next stage would be kind of what you're describing could be like a mindful witnessing of contents of consciousness coming and going and you realize oh I'm not my thoughts. Then the third one I'm describing is a little different feeling than kind of a mindful witness. It's actually you feel you are the pure awareness in which everything's happening. So you feel not like you're a meditator, but it's almost like you've looked back through the meditator and you've fallen into an awareness that's already awake pervasively, not just outside, but it's looking by itself without your help, and it notices content, and there's a freedom from any worry or fear in that pure awareness or pure witness. Mm -hmm. So then waking in is very important. Um, One way to describe it, I guess, in the Mahayana tradition is the first step would be form is emptiness, which is what waking up is. You realize, oh, I'm not just a body and a mind. I'm this empty awareness that's awake. And waking in is, oh, wait a minute, emptiness is form. So (laughs) once you realize you're the pure awareness, you have this transcendent witness. And many people just stop there and say, okay, well, that's awakening and you can try to operate from there, but you're detached. You're actually disembodied and not in or not including or not more importantly, waking in is recognizing, oh, This formless awareness is none other than form. So the feeling is more like, oh, there's an ocean of awareness that's arising as waves of thoughts, feelings, and sensations. And it's almost like there's a continuous field of aliveness and awareness that are not two things. Mm -hmm. That all the contents of consciousness are, you're aware of them from within them rather than from outside them.
3: Yeah, so it's not a—it's <clears throat> not like a higher separate self.
4: That's it, yes. Mm-hmm. That's the waking up would be to the higher separate self. And mm-hmm. waking in would be realizing that there's an embodied awareness uh, that is sometimes it's called simultaneous mind because you realize, oh, I'm everywhere, I'm nowhere, mm-hmm. but I'm also here. I'm also very much Mm -hmm. in my body and there's distinct objects on the level of Mm -hmm. seeing, but on the uh, simultaneously, there's a oneness Mm -hmm. and unity. Simultaneously, there's a infinity and boundless Mm -hmm. empty freedom. Mm -hmm. And there's not, you're not going back from one or the other. You're actually, they're actually naturally always simultaneously here and you're just kind of ordinary in your ordinary. Rather than being normal, you've moved from normal to ordinary. You're kind of just ordinary, Mm. ordinarily here in your body.
3: And then you
4: talk about, uh,
3: you know, in the Zen tradition, it would be like returning to the world um, with hands open, you know. That's right? right. Mm-hmm.
4: yeah so that so that begins so then the waking in is kind of this simultaneous mind, and then right before waking out it 's really like um, you realize that you are aware from your heart mind rather than your head mind so it's many people describe it almost like your the center of your chest is like an, a door that opens. Uh, behind you to the supportive awareness and then is non-conceptually knowing and there's a quality of safety and all is well and a sense of bliss, little bliss in your body and also a sense of compassion and unconditional love so that when you see now the world from this open-hearted awareness or heart-mind, you literally see the sameness first, you see nam- you see namaste, you see like oh mm-hmm. everyone's the same as me mm-hmm. and then you and then you and then you also see distinction but yeah yeah you know that, you know that, that is uh-huh. Like. Uh-huh. yeah
3: yeah and i i have I have an interesting question I think about yeah, these sure. practices because um i I, I think we're definitely on the same team of, you know, let's, um, of course, do this in our own life yep. <laughs> as best we can and demonstrate that it's possible to shift your awareness and to, you know, um, live, um, from this, what you're calling open-hearted awareness. I might, uh, call, um, a samadhi of experiencing, uh, uh, being awake in the world. Um, one of the questions I have is that when we're talking about this very subtle work, um, sometimes I see people get on this path, um, do a little bit of this work, and then think they're more awake than they really are. Sure. And yeah. so you know what they've had is a shift into intellect. Let's say that's you right. know, and that's, that's really right. the biggest. Barrier, you know, you yes. can shift from the sense yeah. mind, the thinking mind, into, right. um, you know, abiding in intellect, That's which right. is still um, separate from the essential self. So, you know, how do you deal with that? Luck, you know, where you yeah. see, like people get this tool, and like all of a sudden, okay, you know, I'm enlightened, and they think they're enlightened, but they're really not.
4: <laughs> yes, beautiful. I mean, um, you know, I mean. Uh, I think that is one of the main traps of just describing waking up and not waking in. So when you wake up to the pure self and that pure witness, if you then come back to your head and your intellect from this transcendence plus back to your intellect, you have this kind of intellectual awakening. You have some insight, intellectual. Oh, I see. I'm not just my body, my mind. But you're not embodied and you're not open-hearted, so it's waking up to this witnessing awareness, and the witnessing awareness is now almost co-opted back <laughs> yes. by the spiritual ego. All so right. the spirit, the spiritual ego, does have an insight and can have occasional experiences of transcendence, but the most important thing is this imminence or this um, being realizing that. Emptiness is form and that it's in your body. You come back to your aliveness and humbleness and non-conceptual knowing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I say you go from conceptual knowing to not knowing to the not knowing that knows. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. not knowing that knows can't be an intellectual insight. It's, a, it's more like a continuous intuition. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and an ease of being and yes. a, and a lack of um I guess that that sense of uh, arrogance of, yes. about um you know what we know and what others don't know and yeah. um and so on. So you know, this is. Um, we just started our. We're, it's fall now. If, you, if okay. you're listening later, but every fall at the center, we we have a class that's called Living the Eternal Way, and um, it's really about that. Uh, you know, what uh, calling the Eternal Way is the Sanatana Dharma. You know that. That truth of what we are that's always been. um it's not new. It doesn't change. <laughs> and and our spiritual practice is learning to uh, live that. And in your book, you you have so many um, wonderful exercises, and um, a lot of these are. Helping people have a glimpse of what you're talking about. Yes. Um, could you tell us a little bit about um, this whole idea of glimpses yes. and why that's important? And um, you know, and, and I see the way you've presented them in the book, which is lovely. It's kind of like. Um, uh, uh, a meditative workout, you know, where you strengthen yeah. <laughs> your ability to you strengthen your awareness muscles. So, tell us about right. the glimpses and and give us an example. I don't know that you mm-hmm. can take us through one sure. because this is a podcast and people listen while they're driving. So, okay, <laughs> <laughs> so I have to keep that in mind.
4: That in mind, okay. Yes, yeah, so uh, so the um, yeah the glimpse glimpse means uh, not that you're like. You could say, uh, rather than saying, "Oh, I had a good meditation state," a glimpse is actually you shift to to um, have the ultimate level of awareness become who you are. So you literally can shift from your current small self into the self, so that you know when <laughs> you know from the new knowing that you know, even for a short period of time, that you are awake. The awakeness is awake for a short time, then you lose it, and that's why the glimpses refers to the short period of time, but it also refers not to a meditation experience, but actually a direct shift into the awakeness that you are. And so that that changes it from kind of being a meditation training where you're kind of training your mind into um, the word, in, you know, Tibetan word sometimes for meditation is called familiarization is translated. So you're familiarizing yourself with your awake self mm-hmm. for short periods of time until you kind of fall in love with yourself, meaning you learn to love and live from that a little bit longer periods of time. And you can kind of, you don't need to retreat um, and go away. You can glimpse while you're driving. You can glimpse sitting in a park. You can, you know, look away at work for one minute to five minutes and do a glimpse practice and kind of return immediately to your work or to talking to somebody from this new uh, dimension of consciousness. Mm -hmm.
3: And it's such a a beautiful experience of life and of being um, to be in its own, an- well, you know, it's just more relaxed, it's more joyful, yes. and it allows, um, our deeper knowing, our intuition, uh, to arise and be accessible to us, you know, and, and right. once we see what that's like, uh, I think, you know, for me, um, this distinction comes because I, I notice if I'm feeling pain, <laughs> if yeah. I'm suffering, I mean psychologically, if yeah. I'm suffering, um, it means that I'm stuck in that um, contracted uh, state of awareness. And so knowing that there is the ability then to to open and to soften and to allow that to shift yes. um, is is so powerful and it's so simple.
4: Yes, and when you shift into this, you know, other dimension of being, that being can then come back and include uh, any emotional or psychological pain, and it's a completely different view. It's a a loving Mm -hmm. capacity to be with whatever you're feeling, and it has another way of seeing and being with what you're feeling, so you're not denying it or spiritually bypassing it oh by I'm it.
3: so glad you said that Locke. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you know being a psychotherapist um, you yeah. know that that you bring that um, fullness of awareness to this spiritual practice I, I also um, trained as a transpersonal counselor sure and um <laughs> and for me, that was missing when I came to the yoga mm-hmm. path. And um, so my own experience was I was looking to the spiritual path as an escape. Yes, <laughs> so it's yes. Like, Let me out of here, you know, out of the suffering, out of the messiness of right. life. And, you know, we get these really crazy ideas. You know, we look at, you know, a guru as some idea of perfection that doesn't include the messiness of human life. and this sort of p- um, super spiritual state or way of being and, um, you know, so I I discovered that yoga to- it did take me out of the world initially, you know, it did. Yes, um, yes. But then it also, as my awareness expanded, it it just brought me back into the world yes. in, a, in a very... Uh, Different way, and so I I love that you bring that awareness to your work that this is not a bypass, this is not transcending, going someplace, going to some, um, you know, perfection is not other than the natural uh, way we are. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes. So could you say a little bit more sure. about that, with that awareness <clears throat> that we bring to be able to include the feelings, be able to include the contracted state that we find ourselves in?
4: Yeah. I mean, in some ways um, <clears throat> you can only grow up to a certain level until you need to wake up. In other words, your ego identity cannot bear... A full emotional human life. The more sensitive you become, the more you mature, you, you can't handle, your mind becomes very fast, but, but you feel more. And so by waking up into this, uh, pure dimension and then waking in to include and welcome all thoughts, feelings, and sensations from this kind of unconditionally loving, Capacity. It feels like you have this support and this wisdom and understanding and this ability to almost begin to liberate old knots of um, holding karmic patterns, early psychological, even pre-verbal traumas um, can be held without having to feel like you've gone back to that situation, but you're actually able to let these um internal, mental, emotional, psychological patterns start to liberate um, by themselves with this loving capacity. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and in, in the world of yoga, we would say a lot of that happens because when you have a more expanded awareness and you can make room for that, you can be aware of it, and you're not <clears throat> caught in it and acting from it the more we are caught in our patterns and act out of them in that reactive state of course the more we reinforce them (laughs) It's like you know digging that neural pathway um that then uh will repeat itself um and so uh, tell us a little bit about what you've discovered in terms of uh you know neuroscience and this um work that you're doing
4: now I was I was wondering if you might like me to do a, just a short little glimpse practice.
3: Yes, and uh, we, I, <laughs> I think do that, would be,
4: co- that, be that would be could be done in the car.
3: <laughs> okay, and we want to just say you know yeah. you have to use your good judgment for yes. how, wherever you are, um, and you know this is a podcast, so if you're someplace <laughs> that is not uh, really great for doing that, then you can come back and listen when yeah. uh, it's easy. So yes, please, that would be grand. So-
4: so I'll do will do a simple one that is can be done eyes open or closed and is just a way to show you what it's like to unhook this uh, local awareness from thinking and have it drop so we'll and have it drop um, within your body from head to heart so this is kind of a dropping from your head mind to your heart mind so we're not dropping to our heart chakra or our emotional heart. Uh, we're actually going to this, um, open heart that, that is a way of non-conceptually knowing. So, just very simply, without even knowing how to unhook awareness, although I'm actually, when I, I'm talking to the awake one within you, because that's the one who can do this, but it's a very simple, felt sense way of doing it. So, Your local awareness is simply identified or attached or um, hooked up to thought and creating kind of this thought pattern, this looping. So all I'm going to do is ask you to feel like you can unhook awareness from thought and have awareness, which is where knowing is coming from. Just have it step back and then awareness is going to drop down and know your smile directly from within your Mm smile, and then as you breathe uh, your awareness is going to know your jaw from within your jaw and then awareness which is knowing your throat directly from within your throat and notice your breathing and then awareness is dropping below your neck so awareness doesn't have to look up to thought to know and doesn't Look down from thought but that awareness is actually unhooked dropped below your neck and now awareness is knowing your body your torso directly from within and noticing and knowing the space the aliveness in your body and the awareness directly from within your heart space so just not looking up to orient by thought and not Looking down from your mind, but literally unhooking, dropping, and knowing your body, knowing your open, from your open heart, which then can open out to the space all around you. And that space that's aware outside and inside simultaneously just has this feeling of looking from the eye of your heart mind. You might breathe in cool air and smile. And just notice what it's like to be alert without orienting by thought. Being awake and aware, clear, able to respond if needed. Just home, sweet home in your heart. And if you needed to have information, you just stay home in your heart and use Wi-Fi to thoughts and files in your head and have them come down to your (laughs) heart-mind. So that's just a little short shift and glimpse.
3: It's really, really lovely. Thank you for that. Thank you for that glimpse. Yes. um, You know, that is true. Anytime we want to, we can naturally do that, just shift yeah. our awareness. I I live uh, near the ocean in Santa Cruz and, mm-hmm. and as often as I can, I try to walk along the cliffs. And um, <clears throat> the other day I noticed I was walking um, <laughs> and I, I wasn't, I just wasn't present. You know, I was I was walking, going somewhere, even though, you know, I didn't have anywhere to go. I'm just walking. Yeah. But I noticed that my, you know, my whole thing was, I was in my head. I was walking, going somewhere, mm-hmm. um, disembodied, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, the, in the same way that you just offered this clip, I just asked myself the question, you know, what would it be like to just walk inside your walking? Yeah. And um, <laughs> that was beautiful. You know, just the shift came so... Uh, readily, uh, as you just described in this beautiful practice, you know, just and sometimes just a question, you know, can you walk inside your walk? Mm-hmm. Um, can it, it bring your awareness out of that discursive um, prison <sighs> and in into just experiencing um, your essence, uh, your. Awareness and and knowing, as you described, that, <clears throat> that doesn't mean um, we're we're going to be incapacitated and not have the ability to think or respond. It just right. means we're we ha- we're coming from uh, a deeper place. And yes. <clears throat> you know, this is such a prescription for uh, having an awakened world, and um, it's a great uh, vision. Um, you know, for what is needed. Tell tell me about, you know, your vision for an awakened world and how this is part of it.
4: Yeah, so I mean as you just described and hopefully as people experienced in that short glimpse practice is really to give you a sense that you're shifting into another operating system, meaning that you you are alert, you're safe, you can respond and then you can talk, and you can walk, and you can type, and you can relate, and you can create. So slowly, you learn to rewire your your brain and your way of talking and walking, which are already uh, learned capacities, and you enter kind of a flow state of awakened living um, that just takes these couple extra. Um, areas of training so not just training in the first meditation which is kind of retreating from wor- the world but now training equally in coming off the cushion into uh, standing with eyes open into walking into talking into typing into driving and realizing that there is um a possibility of an already awake system that just needs to be um, developed, its capacity, and then awakening becomes really like developing, you know, another stage of your human growth, but um, there are some particular practices that are kind of after the initial shift.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, like how do we, how do we live that? Yes. Not just experience it intermittently. Yes. Um, And, and one of the things I like about your work, Locke, is, is really teaching, um, people that, um, that this is available to us. It's something that we can actively engage in, in bringing forth. And it's, um, it's not a, a random, uh, Yes, Something that, you know, maybe you, you get, um, uh, you run into uh, if you're That's lucky. Right. But right. uh, but it really is a practice that can be cultivated. Thank you so much for this lovely mm-hmm. conversation. I, I want so, to well. um, let our listeners know, again, your website is lockkelly.org, um, L-O-C-H-K-E-L-L-Y, lockkelly.org. Org, And uh, we've been talking about exercises, beautiful glimpses, and um, a whole philosophy that you find in his book called Shift into Freedom, the Science and Practice of Open-Hearted. Awareness, and um, I want to uh, invite you. If you're listening live, let you know that you can still t- uh, tune into and participate in Live the Eternal Way course. That's on Tuesday evenings. But if you're um, at a distance, you can take the course online. Go to uh, CSE Center. Org. And uh, of course, I invite you to be with me next week. Um, we're going to have a deeper conversation, too, again, about meditation. Uh, I'm going to be speaking with uh, Reverend Edward Villowen, um, who is the author of A Power of Meditation and A Way of Accessing Your Inner Power. Uh, the Yoga Hour is a service project of Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Our world headquarters are located in San Jose, California, where all kinds of things go on all the time that are supports for being able to live with open-hearted awareness. For more information, please visit... Us at csecenter.org. And I want to um, give a big thanks to our Yoga Hour team, our producer and regular guest host, Dr. Laura Trujillo, and our assistant producers, uh, Nita Kenyon and Ann Hayes, and of course, the ever present uh, Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at Unity Online. And again, <laughs> thank you, Locke, so much for this yes. wonderful conversation. And I feel like we're just getting started, so let's do it again.
4: Absolutely, Ellen. Thank you so much. really appreciate your your whole energy and uh, and making this all accessible to people.
3: Great. Thank you. And uh, remember to let your inner light shine into the world. <clears throat> Share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Bye now.
2: Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien.